Welcome back to Operation Evil. This is episode 45. It's called Remembering Judith Barcy. Yep, yep, yep. I'm your host, Nyoka. <laughs> What's yep, yep, yep? You'll understand soon. Oh, I'm Rachel. Um, we don't have any special business, I don't think, to talk about. You know what? I do have one thing, and that is to go check out my daughter's Etsy shop called Black Cat's Bitchcraft. Um, she's got some really cool resin pieces on there that, uh, I don't know, um, some's witchy, some's um, cats, of course, after her shop. Uh, she's got a little bit of everything, so go check that out. She's going to have Operation Evil stuff on there soon as well. The coasters are amazing. She has made some Zelda ones. Of course, Operation Evil. Mm -hmm. They're so glittery and shiny and just fun to look at. And they hold up really well. They're super, super cute. And all different shapes, too. Yes. She's actually in the middle of making me a tumbler cup, too. That's going to be really pretty. I'm, like, really excited about that. So, yeah, go check that out. Um, I believe we have posted recently her Etsy shop on our Facebook page. So there you go. Um, Other than that, do you have anything that you want to talk about, Rachel? No, I'm just so excited to hear your story. All right. Well, let's just, we haven't talked for like a week. I know we haven't. She's been away on vacation, leaving me behind, but it's okay. We're back together again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just going to give a warning about this episode. It, it does contain some disturbing content. It involves um, child abuse, um, domestic abuse, and of course, murder. So if those things sound like something you want to pass on, that's okay. You can just stop it here. We'll have another episode out next week. Other than that, listener discretion is advised as always. So this week's story is about remembering Judith Barcy. Um, If you were lucky enough to be an 80s or 90s baby, you probably watched the movie Land Before Time. Oh, yeah. And she was the voice of Ducky. And Ducky was like one of those characters that everybody loved. And Ducky always said, yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. And that's where that comes from. Got it. Yes. So American child actress Judith Eva Barsi was born on June 6, 1978 to Hungarian immigrant parents, Joseph and Maria Barsi, who fled the communist Hungary after it was occupied by Soviet Russia in 1956. Joseph came first came to New York and later moved to California, and that is where he met Maria. They ended up falling in love and getting married. He met her, I think, at a bar she was waitressing at, and they had the same like background, being from Hungary and all these things, and they connected a lot, and and that's how they got together. Really cool. Yeah. So shortly after their wedding, um, she was pregnant, and then Judith was born, and Maria. She had dreams for her daughter becoming an actress that she wanted to become. Um, 
but she didn't pursue those dreams anymore because she wanted to settle down and have a family. And she just saw so much potential in her daughter. And she just was like, this would be a perfect opportunity to begin training Judith for acting and set her up for success. Now, don't get me wrong. I know this. She, I don't think she was like malicious and, in, in like training her quote unquote, um, not, you know, how, like, she's not like one of those moms that force her kids to do something she didn't want to do. So I don't want it to come across that way. Like those, um, stereotypical, like pageant moms that you hear. about. Right. Yeah. I don't believe that that was her intentions at all. Um, she just had some dreams and, and hopes for her daughter. When Judith was five, this dream would become a reality when she was discovered at a San Fernando Valley skating rink. See, Judith looked younger than what she was. She, she was actually five, but she looked like a three-year-old, like her stature, everything was younger. Like she just looks smaller. Yes. The, she was discovered at the skating rink and the director was interested in her for an, a commercial that he was doing. And she was casted for that. She was in um, pretty high demand at some point because they wanted younger kids in some commercials, but they wanted like an older child acting response to it. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. She was just perfect for that. She fit a lot of things. So she went on to appear in over 70 commercials and soon appeared in films. And the first commercial that she appeared in was for Donald Duck Orange Juice. <laughs> Ever since mom and dad found out that Donald Duck is 100% pure orange juice, they've been acting kind of funny. I mean... I know it tastes good, but really. Honest, a giant green gorilla drink it all up. Oh, please. We don't know what to do with them anymore. Oh, well, maybe it's just a thing. Donald Duck, the 100% pure orange juice in the new juice block. Easy to store and open. Microwavable, too. Now, due to Judith's small stature, she often did play these characters when she was young, but when time went on, Judith would end up having like hormone injections to encourage her growth. So I didn't gonna, even know that was a thing then. I didn't either. I had no idea. So she became a very popular young actress in the 1980s. Her most known TV well, appearances in TV and films included The Lamp Before Time, where she played the character named Ducky that we talked about. Um, she played in All Dogs Go to Heaven. She was that little orphan girl. I think her name was like Annie Marie or Anna Marie. Um, she played in The Twilight Zone. Uh, she played in Jaws, The Revenge and Growing Pains. And those are just a few to name. Um, I'll, I'll actually name more towards the end of the episode of what she's done. She has a pretty impressive resume for a child. Yeah. Like growing pains was huge. It was. Back then too. I remember watching that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, sadly, in July 1988, at the age of 10, Judith was murdered along with her mother, Maria, by her own father, Joseph. <gasps> I didn't final, know it was the father. Yeah. Her final film, All Dogs Go to Heaven, was released later in November 1989, 16 months after her death. She was the voice of Annie Marie, there we go, a seven-year-old orphan who, uh, who had the ability to speak to animals. And I will try to insert a clip right now of her last acting role. Goodbye, buddy. Oh, Charlie, I'll miss you. Yeah, I'll I'm, miss I'm, I'm, I'm you too, Squeaker. Now you, you go to sleep. Huh? Charlie, will I ever see you again? Sure, sure you will, kid. You know, goodbyes aren't forever. Then, goodbye, Charlie. I love you. Yeah. I love you too. So now we're going to talk about the money situation. So Judah's father was an unemployed plumber, but he also wouldn't let Judah's mother, Maria, work either. He wanted her to be a stay-at-home mom, which that's what she wanted too. I mean, she'd rather be with her child. Mm -hmm. But because of this, they were on welfare for a short while until Judith's career began to take off in 1986. So while Joseph would often be at home drunk, Judith was earning around $100,000 a year as a fourth grader. Thanks (laughs) to her, yeah, thanks to her, the family was able to purchase a home in the West Hills section of Los Angeles. And it was a really nice little suburb. So they went from a small, tiny apartment to like a three bedroom house. However, as Judith became more famous and more successful, her alcoholic father would become increasingly abusive, jealous, and paranoid. And speaking of his paranoia, Noya. Oh my gosh. I can't speak. (laughs) When they bought that house, he had their house surrounded by a high fence that only could be opened from inside the house. Now we're going to talk about the abuse. So Joseph often abused Judith and her mother, Maria. One day while mentally abusing little Judith, he held a knife to her delicate throat while threatening her life. Because he was convinced that his wife and daughter would leave for a photo or movie shoot and never return. And he would repeatedly threaten to kill his wife and daughter. From my understanding, he was married with a couple kids in the past before Maria and Judith. And that wife had left him. So I guess he just assumed that this would happen here as well. Oh, okay. Joseph was arrested multiple times for drunk driving. In 1986, Maria filed a police report stating her husband had choked her after hitting her in the face and threatening to kill her. According to the Famous People website, as a result of the abuse, Judith started gaining weight. And then she also started to display other troubling behaviors, such as plucking out her eyelashes and removing all the whiskers from her cat. These were acts brought on by severe stress from her father's abuse. 
Judith even confided in one of her friends that her father would throw pots and pans at her often, which would end up causing her nose to bleed and get bruises and everything else. A nosebleed also occurred while she was auditioning for All Dogs Go to Heaven from all the stress. After having a breakdown in front of her agent, Judith was taken to a child psychologist. The psychologist identified severe abuse in all forms, mental, physical, and emotional. The psychologist handed her findings over to authorities. Now, the Child Protective Services were called numerous times, but Maria was scared to press any charges. Maria even told the caseworker that she would divorce her husband and move out of the house, but it would be too late. Unfortunately, the case was never followed up on either. Of course, (laughs) that always happens. It does seem to happen a lot. Maria did what she felt she could. And so what she ended up doing was she rented this apartment for her and Judith as a daytime safe haven. I mean, I can only imagine the safe, warm feelings they were able to experience in that space. And, And I'm sure Judith was just at peace and happy knowing yeah, that she was okay there. That's really sad because I mean, she bought that home and she couldn't even go to it. Welcome to DMR, Dewey's Movie Reviews, an Australian-based podcast reviewing all the latest and greatest movies out there all of the newest series on streaming platforms, an interview here and there, and of course, all the celebrity goss as well. So if you're looking for a high-quality movie and series review podcast, look no further than DMR Dewey's Movie Reviews, The Red Carpet Treatment. Exactly. Unfortunately, though, the safe haven would just not be enough. And according to San Fernando Valley blog, Joseph has suspected that Maria was moving out and followed her one day. He noticed that she was carrying moving boxes into the apartment and asked her about (sighs) it. Maria told him that she was giving away some items to some friends, but she suspected that he wasn't just not buying her story and that she just sensed that things were just going to get worse. But girl, that was a good, good cover. I think so, too. See, she was waiting on this $12,000 tax refund check that she didn't want Joseph to get his hands on before she actually did the move, the official leaving him. Yeah. Because that was going to most likely help support them um, to like in the startup of it all. Yeah. But that check just wouldn't come soon enough. Which really, I mean, now that doesn't, it's a lot of money, but back then it was like even, it doesn't sound like that much money now to live on, but I think in the eighties, it was a significant amount. Absolutely. It it most definitely was. Now we're going to talk about the murder. On July 28th, 1988, just a few months after Judah's session with the psychologist, Around 8.30 a.m., 
the neighbor calls and reports hearing a gunshot and stated that there was a fire at the Barcy home. While firefighters responded to the call, they discovered the bodies of Judith and Maria. According to the landbeforetime.fandom.com website, the date of the murder has never been determined. But the police have said that Joseph could have killed his wife and child on July 25th or July 26th. It is believed that after realizing that Maria was planning to leave him, he entered Judah's second bedroom, her second floor bedroom, and shot her in the head. Then Maria hears the gunshot and she comes running towards Judah's room and he shoots her in the head. Then he drenches their bodies in gasoline and set the house on fire before shooting himself in the head inside of the garage. All of them have been shot in the head once. According to True Crime Edition's article, it is believed they died days before as Judith was due to audition for a role with Hanna-Barbera on the 25th of July. Maria was 48 years old and Judith was just 10 when they were murdered. Now, to me, that makes sense that she was probably murdered on the 25th because in this other video I watched and I don't know how accurate it is. It says that the phone rang and it was the people for that audition asking where Judith was because she did not show up. And that video, the dad said, Maria and Judith had left for a couple weeks to wherever on a vacation. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I couldn't find that myself. So I just want to throw that that is a possibility. And it is likely that it was the 25th when they were murdered. Yeah. I wonder like if it kind of sparked something in him, like this word of this audition and it kind of like got him going like, she's you know i don't know like if she's gonna get the audition and then they're gonna leave and that just made him go nuts that's a good point i mean it this and during the 80s that was a big thing like the hannah barbara am i saying that right barbara yeah yeah i mean it was a huge thing that would have been like her her golden ticket yeah so that could have added some stress and paranoia to joseph too did he did he sexually abuse her or was it all just no it was all just physical mental um no sexual abuse that i found now i'm going to talk about judith's legacy now judith and maria they were buried at the forest lawn hollywood hills cemetery in los angeles but they were in unmarked graves in June of 2004, a fund was set up to get headstones for their graves. Oh. The fund was, was uh, done by Nancy Kelly. I don't know who she was to them. She could have been just a stranger. I don't know. But what an amazing person to set up this fund to do this. I mean, it's been so yeah. many years. Finally, Judas Marker was placed on August 23rd, 2004, 
while one for her mother was placed on January 28, 2005. Now, future donations did and will go towards donating. Well, it did go towards donating beanie babies to hospitalized children. Judas Marker reads, our concrete angel. Yep, yep, yep. In reference to a popular song about child abuse and her character Ducky's catchphrase from the land before time. Wow. Doesn't it give you chills? It gives me chills. Uh, yes, literally. Yes. Her mother's marker reads, the wind beneath J-E-B's, which is Judas initials, wings. Yep, yep, yep. <sighs> yep, yep, yep. Those of Judas toys that did survive the fire that her father set were later donated to Goodwill. Just so you know. Another little interesting fact is that Irene Cara and Freddie Jackson reportedly recorded the All Dogs Go to Heaven theme song, Love Survives, for Judith Barcy. Now, the filmography and TV appearances include. She has a good list. Fatal Vision, Kids Don't Tell, Do You Remember Love, There Were Times, Dear, Eye of the Tiger, Destination (laughs) America, Slam Dance, Jaws, The Revenge, A Family Again, The Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, The New Twilight Zone, The Fall Guy, Punky Brewster, Remington Steel, Cheers, Growing Pains, Saint Elsewhere, and Cagney and Lacey. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Plus all the commercials that she was in. That I mean, a lot of those shows were pretty big. Um, Punky Brewster was like my favorite at that time. <laughs> that. So. Cagney and Lacey. I mean, cheers. Yes. Yeah. Huge. Definitely. Now I did find some interesting stuff about the Barcy's home. The Barcy's home appeared on a show called murder house flip. I did not even know this show existed. I'm going to have to check it out. What is it? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) They take like these houses where murders and horrible things happen and they flip them and make them brighter and happier. So when the family who bought the Barcy home property 19 years earlier wanted to get rid of the cold spots in a dark presence around their house. After finding out about the murders, the family contacted the show and the production team was brought in to update the home. Now, an article from people.com wrote that about the house being on murder flip house and they followed their journey during the whole shooting. The article was written in 2020 and it stated that the Burnell family bought the home 19 years ago. They didn't know that the tragic murder took place in that house just 13 years earlier. And the homeowner said, quote, when we first moved in, we didn't know anything about the house. And Gabby, who sleeps in the same bedroom where Judith was murdered, suffers from horrific nightmares. The family has felt a dark presence in the house since they moved in and weird things kept happening. 
The garage door would open and close on its own and random cold spots appear throughout the house. After years of feeling uneasy in the home, the family is finally doing a renovation on the new series that specializes in unusual makeovers. So the Murder House Flip is a series that hooks families up with team of designers, paranormal experts, and other pros to reimagine properties that have been on sites of notorious murders and make them into a space that are no longer haunting and feel like more like a home for the families. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I didn't even know that was real either. Like Me either. But I can't help to wonder about the burning like the fire yeah like if it damaged anything in the house it had to have a little bit I would think I don't know yeah but I can tell you when the makeover was completed the Burnell family was overjoyed with emotion and when they saw their new space they were just oh they were so joyous they even noticed an energy shift in the, the moment they walked back into their home uh, Gabby said, quote, I, I felt bad energy here and now it's dissipated. The negative energy that we felt in the house is gone already. No more sadness, no more crying. Um, her dad, Francisco, adds that this is one of the greatest things that has happened in his life. Well, <laughs> that's all I got for you. That's the end of the story. That concludes this week's episode. I just thought I had to add this whole haunting murder mystery house because I didn't know it was a show. I found it to be interesting. And it makes me wonder what other homes are on that show. Yeah, because they always, well, I mean, you hear of like people saying that like when things are like renovated, that spirits get steered up. Yeah. All right. So if you're craving more Operation Evil, check out our Patreon for bonus episodes. We put a new one out every month. And just as a reminder, if you want to start a podcast, you can check out the link in the show notes to Buzzsprout. We'll be back next week with a new episode. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please call the national hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. For child abuse, call the Child Health National Abuse Hotline at 1-800-422-4453. That's it, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, Charlie. I love you. <laughs>